Hello, everyone. I'm Gorilla Monsoon. And I'm your host, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Oh, why don't you be serious? You're not the host, Brain. Well, I should be. Chris Francesco is the host. Chris Francesco? Yes, that's correct. Huh. I didn't stutter. Didn't he get whacked in an episode of The Sopranos? Oh, give me a break. He hosts the podcast, Brain. Who the hell doesn't? Well, his is about wrestling. Who the hell's isn't? Uh, well, uh, he talks about old wrestling. Wow! What a novel idea. Oh, next, give me a break. Next, you're going to tell me he's got a wrestling theme name for the show? Well, he, uh... Come on, Monsoon, spit it out. It's the Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. So what? And it's starting now. All right, thank you very much, Gorilla and Bobby, with our new intro there. Fantastic stuff by Joe Murata on Twitter. If you guys can go give him a follow, he's an absolute genius. And also check out his two wrestling podcasts as well. But hey, this is the Hot Tag Wrestling Podcast. Chris, Dean, and George are here with you guys. Um, tonight we are covering Spring Stampede from 1997. Uh, a little bit of housekeeping that we're gonna I'm gonna talk about here oh, yeah? with, with the gents. Good, good um, housekeeping. Good housekeeping, yeah. Just like the magazine. <laughs> That's correct. And uh all right, so here's the deal. So a lot's changing with the hot tag and all for, for the good. Um, so as many of you guys have known, this is episode 102, by the way, of of the hot tag. So for those of you who who maybe don't know or, or have just joined over the last couple of weeks, because based on my downloads, I mean, we have a lot of new people jumping on, which is fantastic. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that. But for those of you who, again, don't know, you know, this is my baby. You know, I've been doing wrestling podcasts for about 10 years. Uh, this one is the longest that I've ever done. Uh, this is one that I started myself and then I start and then I picked it up with um, my former co-host uh, Kyle Barone. And then now to the current incarnation, which is either George and I or all three of us. Um, that's a good one. <laughs> and, you know, for anyone who, who knows me knows that there's nothing outside of, you know, like family. There's nothing more that I that I have more passion for than than pro wrestling. And, um, you know, Dean and George can attest to this. Like, I'm I'm literally like a wife to the wrestling business in the sense that I'm so and a, dramatic and over and maybe a, like a, yeah, maybe I'm like a mistress. Yeah, I'm definitely like an abused. I'm definitely like an abused wife when it comes to pro wrestling because I get really dramatic over things and it pisses me off all the time. But like I've said well, before, maybe you're like the side chick to wrestling. You're like, why Probably. won't you ever call me? You're, yeah, like, you're, with, you're with your wife again. I was going to say no, something no, really no. terrible, but I'm not going to say it. <clears throat> wrestling, wrestling comes home and beats him because he burnt the roast. <laughs> I'll text you guys <laughs> what I was going to say. Um, oh so, and, you know, uh, it, it's this is something that has been part of my life for 31 years now. Mm. Yeah, 31 years. Um, you're just and, coping with the fact that the, the business sucks now. Where, that, where, that's where that's is, the problem. Whereas um, I coped with it like over a decade yeah, ago. My you know? issue is... And, you know, I watch a lot of like wrestling from the ruthless aggression era and I do it all the time. And I'm like, God, like even the in ring action of, you know, certain wrestlers, obviously, oh, my it just doesn't it pales in comparison to what we see today. Like even storytelling within a ring has gone away completely. It's all about let me get to the next move, next mm -hmm. move, next move, next high spot pin, you know, four finishers later pin like nothing means anything like it used to. Um I mean, I'm hoping we get back to that eventually, but I just, I think that's up to, it's up to the wrestlers more than the creative um, people for that to, to occur. Because once you get, I mean, Austin said this before, it doesn't matter what a creative team writes for you. Once you step into that 20 by 20 squared circle, the wrestlers make the story. They're the ones that create the psychology. Um, and that's what, what we're missing and what I miss a lot uh, about wrestling. But mm -hmm notwithstanding um i love the business i love talking about it um you know geez you know my not to get you know way out there i mean especially with you two i mean wrestling is the reason shockingly it's such an odd testimony but you know wrestling is the reason that i i i came to faith and through like you know Shawn michaels so it's just insane how so much of my life has been wrapped around wrestling. And I really wanted to continue to pour that into this podcast 
Um, and just to let everybody know, things are changing around here. Um, get the F out. I'm just kidding. We're not, there's really no F in my name anyway. Um, so there is an F absolutely in your name. The hot tag? No, your last name. Oh, well, my name. Yeah. He's <laughs> um, yeah. Chris D. Ranfrances. <laughs> so he ran Cisco. So here's the schedule uh, that's coming up over the next um, through June, through the end of June. And we're actually starting to piece together July and August um, behind the scenes uh, at the gorilla position, as it were. Um, and I thought it was called know, the Dusty. Not in my podcast. It's not fuck Dusty. Um, so um, after collaborating with these two, who really helped me kind of decide where we're going with this show. Here's what's ahead tonight. Spring Stampede 1997. Next week, we're going to cover Backlash 2004. And then um, the following week, we're going to cover the top five backlash matches. Our favorite top, our top five favorite backlash matches of all time. Um, and once we get to May, there's a lot of things uh, that, are gonna be, that are coming up here. We're going to talk about the impact of when Hall and Nash joined WCW way back in May 2000. Um, 2000 way back in uh, may 1996 then we're going to cover judgment day 2002 which is i believe the choke slam heard around the world um with um uh taker and hogan uh we're going to cover slamboree 1997 and then our first one of our i think it's our second one actually we're going to be doing you know year in reviews we're going to cover superstar profiles and we're going to pick a certain year so the first one we're going to do here is going to be hulk hogan from 1989 so we're going to go that we're going to start there. Um, then we're going to go into June and we're going to do Bad Blood 2004, uh, Great American Bash 1996, which is the I believe, um, George, that's the that's the pay-per-view right before the beginning of the NWO. Yes, that's the one where um, where Nash firebombs Bischoff off the stage. Correct. Which is for any of you guys who haven't watched that pay-per-view, go watch it. I actually think it's one of like the top 10 or 12 best pay-per-views I've ever seen. Um, from start to finish, just a great pay-per-view, um, especially with knowing what's happening just a month later. Um, then we're going to cover Hulk Hogan 1990. Uh, and then the final episode of June, the wrestling landscape right before the arrival of the NWO. Um, so there's going to be a lot of things that we're going to talk about in between. The reason why I'm covering Hulk Hogan a couple times here is because we're getting into the summer, which is when the NWO debuted. And I figured, why not? It's always fun to talk about Hulk Hogan, regardless of your feelings on him. We're really excited to get into Hulk content and a couple other pay-per-views um, mixed in there. Uh, so, yeah, and then we're going to get into July, uh, which we will definitely be doing the pay-per-view that saw the debut of the NWO. Uh, and then we're going to go into August, which will be uh, a few summer slams that we're actually piecing through now, uh, figuring out what we're going to do there. And then things will move after that. I'm not going to go anywhere. I do know October will be Halloween havoc month. So we're looking forward to that as well. Just so much uh, happening. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to all the things that are, that are coming down the pike and, and thank you to George and Dean for, um, being open to providing input and definitely uh, giving great suggestions. Um, and they're all going to be on here as well. Um, all right. So let's Chris, can I, uh, can I oh, say something? Real sure. Go ahead. Uh, this was everybody. This was more like that episode of family guy that spoofed Ben Affleck and Matt Damon writing goodwill hunting. I was literally Ben Affleck laying on the couch while George and Chris worked all this out. And I said, Hey, don't forget to put my name on that. <laughs> i mean you did mention like two things that ended up being that ended up working yeah i mentioned two things i started playing some nintendo switch and you guys had had everything planned out so i was like well my job here is done <laughs> like, that, that happened all in like 30 minutes i really was just like okay <laughs> you were like you, you were like leonard nimoy in the simpsons episode with the monorail where's he go well, i guess my work here is done it was like but you didn't do anything like, didn't i <laughs> yeah exactly so Chris, um, I, Chris, I do hate to interrupt you, but um, I feel I need to tell you that we last year covered the Great American Bash 1996. Did we really? 
Yeah, because well, we can I was thinking it. about it because <laughs> I was thinking about it, and I was like, "We've already covered this." That's so why I looked at the match card. I was like, "Yes, we did." Okay, Chris is like, "Fuck it, we'll do it again." <laughs> Fuck it, we'll do it live. Yeah. <laughs> we'll cover that episode of Nitro from 1996. Uh, that's a good idea. We'll do that. We'll do. Why not? Why not Thunder? Well, because it didn't it wasn't exist there. Yet. Yeah. I, I know. What we can do. What we could do is set Sat- a pay per view. Shotgun Saturday night. Oh God. What we could do instead of the pay-per-view, we'll cover the Nitro before and after um, that show. So we'll cover two Nitros um, uh, uh, instead of the the pay-per-view again. So thanks for reminding me. Um, All right. So here here we go. April 6, 1997, is WCW presents Spring Stampede from the phenomenal, just uh, amazing wrestling town of Tupelo, Mississippi. 8,356,000 people, 8,356 people sold out. Yeah. Whatever the arena is called. I'm trying it's, to find uh, It's called the, it's, the uh, Sarge it's, over there. It's called the. Uh, I can't find it's called, it. It's called uh, the, oh, well. Confederate flag arena. I don't it's know. Good, it's good. <laughs> um, so, the Tupelo Coliseum. There we go. The Tupelo, nice and easy. Wow, what um, a fucking stretch. Or, or, or as it's called now, the Cadence Bank Arena. Oh, nice. Um, all right. So yeah, uh, had a, a, a live gate of one hundred and seven thousand uh, dollars. So not a bad gate uh, for an April pay per view. And like George and I were talking about right before we hit record, it's so odd how the WCW the previous two years did not have an April pay-per-view. I, I don't understand why. <laughs> um, to kind of compare growth a little bit, uh, I'm going to use uh, March and May uh, as you know how I'm going to look back. In 1996, in March, uh, Uncensored 96 had also was in Tupelo, Mississippi, had 175,000 pay-per-view buys. Um, where in 1997, uh, the March pay-per-view uncensored from uh, North Charleston, South Carolina, 250,000 pay-per-view buys. Uh, 1996 in May, which was the great, I'm sorry, yeah, uh, Slamboree 96 in Baton Rouge, 110,000 buys. In 97, uh, Slamboree 97, 165,000 buys. So this, in 1997, George, Dean, we are... Ooh right in the almost i don't want to say the thick of the monday night wars but this is at a time where wcw was demolishing uh monday night raw um so this was a good time man to be alive as a wrestling fan absolutely yeah okay so you got it you got it during the pay-per-view too you know I, uh, I didn't get a chance to watch the whole thing because I get sidetracked easily, but I watched about <laughs> half this pay-per-view. Plus, yeah. there's a couple, there was a couple matches on here. I was like, yeah, I'm not bothering with it. But <laughs> especially during like the main event, like I, I kind of had a flashback and I was just like, man, I remember when WCW was like, can't miss TV. Yeah. Like, you know, Nitro, you know, the, every pay-per-view. Um, I just remember this was, this was when I was like, I'm still watching Raw mm-hmm. for sure. But my attention was mainly on WCW. Like, like this was, you know, because Nitro was eight to ten. Yeah. So, like, you get, I'd get the first hour uninterrupted before Raw. But then I remember, like, that last hour, I was constantly flipping back and forth, and I'd be on Nitro a lot. And uh, I kind of had that, like I said, I had that flashback, and I just thought to myself, I was like, man, ninety-seven, you know, like these early, you know, these early Monday Night Wars when when WCW was just crushing mm-hmm. wf was just I, I remember being like i loved every minute of it i, I really know. did like and i remember I, then all of a sudden i started thinking about playing like wsw nwo revenge and oh i was like god. oh my god wsw was the shit man it they really, really and, were and the n64 games were spectacular <clears throat> yeah that, that's that's um, I, that's the first wrestling the world tour yeah oh my god so yeah so 97 <clears throat> was one of my favorite years thinking back i mean not only do we have what's going on in wcw here in 97 but that's the year where um you know austin became austin i mean that was wrestlemania 13 and then you go into i mean i you know i'm a newfound brett fan in a way but his heel run in 97 was amazing um and then you got into you know the the first ever hell in a cell in october 
And then you have um, the Montreal screw job in 97. And then of course, Starcade at the end of the year, 97 was such a pivotal year for pro wrestling. Yeah. It literally <laughs> just shot it into another atmosphere going into 1998. Um, so thinking about 1997 here is just so cool to, to think back. Um, so here we are here. We are inside a very Western looking arena uh, and are joined by Tony Schiavone, Bobby, the brain Heenan and the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. I have a little uh, staff for you, Chris. Go ahead. So there's a <clears throat> in total between commentators, interviewers, ring announcers, referees, and the performers. It's about, 35 to 40 people involved with this pay-per-view mm-hmm. 11 of them are dead god yeah Chris, that's I, also, I i god if you saw if you saw my hands counting that's what i was counting was oh. how many people have been paid there's 11 dead and then mongo is got ALS. so yeah. and two, two, can't walk <laughs> two of the three announcers are dead it's just yeah. it's unreal and, and three three of the four referees are dead oh my gosh i had no idea randy anderson died 21 years ago yeah yeah he had cancer right yeah i'm pretty sure 36 wow yeah oh my god so young wow i'm 40 he looked 40 (laughs) he was refereeing well hey when hogan was 30 he looked 50 so that's true Uh, i i also have a a bit of a stat for you too chris go ahead this is also the second of four pay-per-views in a row where the world heavyweight title was not defended Wow. Who was the who was and, the champion? It was Hogan. It was I Hogan. Know. <laughs> and yeah. and and this pay per view is the first of three in a row to not have Hogan on the card at all. And they were so hot in '97 that you didn't need Hogan yeah. every month. And you know what? Though, just I imagine like if you did. <clears throat> yeah, I feel like that's kind of how. Like I think that's kind of where Roman is right now. I know a lot of people complain about like the belts not being around, mm-hmm. but like Roman's at not that he's at Hogan status, but like his character in the company, in his storyline, it has ascended so much. Oh yeah. You don't need to be at no. every show at every pay-per-view. You know what I mean? No. Like Hogan, this Hollywood Hogan character did not need to be there. Less is more. Exactly. Like, so like, I kind of understand. Remember when Vince said that a while back, like you don't always need to champ around because it makes it more special. This Hogan thing was kind of a, um, a precursor to that really, yeah. because like he Hogan didn't need to be around because his name was in everybody's mouth. His minions were there ruining things. It's it's kind of crazy how this is kind of replicated now. You know, we've had mm-hmm. with a little bit of with Brock Lesnar's return the past 10 years. And, yep. you know, Roman currently is kind of, a, you know, poetry. It rhymes. Yeah. And, like you know, it's crazy, too. And, you know, <laughs> people talk a lot of trash about Eric Bischoff and it bothers me sometimes. Um, oh, I agree. I agree. Bugs he, me, too. He mentioned something, and I was listening back to their to the eighty three weeks podcast of talk about Spring Stampede ninety seven. This is right around the time, you know. Correct me if I'm I'm wrong, uh, George. You're good at this too. Um, this is right around the time where WCW Nitro, I think, went to two hours, um, and right and then Raw hadn't quite gone to two hours yet. Um, and if I and if I remember correctly, man, if you look back, WCW is responsible for probably two of the biggest things that we've gotten in our lifetime. One, the cruiserweight division. We got a lot of superstars and legends from the creation of, of that cruiserweight division and that, and that, you know, mid card in WCW and the fact of two hours of live wrestling. Now, WWF um, was forced to go to two hours. Nitro went to two hours in May of 1996. Not May ninety six. Okay, I thought yeah. it was either this. It was either May of ninety seven or May ninety six. Ninety six. Yeah, and then it and then it bumped up to three hours at one point, and yeah. then yeah, which I don't remember that ever being three hours. Honestly, yeah. I know it did, but I I don't. I, I'm sure I at that point I was done watching. But yeah, because they um, had the because they had the first hour unopposed going against Raw. Yeah, it's always well, it was always right. like that. They, they always had that unopposed hour. Remember when Raw then, used to start at eight fifty seven to get that three minute jump? Yeah. And then Raw always had the unopposed last hour. And then I remember Nitro going to three hours, but I just I don't ever remember watching okay. three hours of Nitro. So, yeah, you said May of 96. Raw yeah. did not go to two hours until February 3rd of 97. Was it really that late? So the wow. WCW was kicking their ass so bad in Nitro for having that two hour live show 
Vince mm-hmm. McMahon was said, okay, I mean, we got to go live every single yeah, week because no one was, was pre-taped watching. a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Then. I remember that. That was actually one of the biggest turnoffs for me yeah. because you could like, you know, I mean, it was, it was the infant days of the internet, but the dirt sheets were around and you could literally just read the review, the, the spoilers online, um, you know, for, you know, and that was still years because SmackDown was pre-taped for years during the early 2000s, you know? Yeah. Um, but I remember one of the biggest reasons I stopped kind of really like watching WWF was because Nitro was live. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably for that year that it was two hours, I probably barely, I could probably name on two hands how many Nitros I watched, over, or I'm sorry, how many Rawls I watched over that time. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and just to let you guys know, in July, it will mark the 11th year since Raw went to three hours. It's such a, it is such a albatross around the company. Yeah, I agree. And before we get to the card, George, if Raw went back to two hours, how much better would that show be? It'd be so much better because you because you're trumming the fat. Mm-hmm. Now you don't have like to, SmackDown. Like you mm-hmm. know exactly. It'd be just like SmackDown. SmackDown is 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 so much better than Raw. It's it's insane. Where like I don't mind recording on Mondays when we record for the multiverse. We do it on Mondays. And yeah, you know, whatever. If I miss the first hour and a half of Raw, or if I go to bed afterwards, it's really no loss. Mm-hmm. But I try to be home on Friday so I can catch SmackDown. God, I miss when Raw would start at eight fifty seven. That and that yeah. that warehouse getting lit on fire and awesome that walking through. So Nitro went to uh, three hours in January of ninety eight. Yeah, that was. That was when the downfall started. Although their '98 was so damn profitable. Although the yeah. end of although the end of December of the previous year didn't uh, was didn't the help. actual start of the down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So the the announcers are here. They talk about the big main event between Diamond Dallas Page and Macho Man Randy Savage in a no disqualification match, as well as they run down the rest of the matches on the card. But we get to the, the hot opener here. Ultimate, uh, ultimate, not Ultimo, Ultimate Dragon. Ultimate, he didn't change his name yet. Right. Versus Ray Mysterio Jr., who's like 17 here. Um, I'm just kidding. I think he's 20. He was like four. He, he, he was like five. He was like five. <laughs> um, they get a ton of time here. Mysterio gets the win at about 15 minutes. Man, I gave this match four and a half stars. This was unreal. Like at this point, though, we had come to expect like these kind of quality matches from the cruiserweight division, but this was an absolute standout. Mysterio took a beating throughout the majority of the match, and they just hit big move at the big move, and they never slowed down, but they sold, which was important to me. Um, Mysterio was really hitting his stride at this point, and I mm-hmm. and just putting on a clinic of how to have really great matches and to stand out. In a, in a company at the time that was really just focused on a couple of those main event players and mainly the NWO. Um, so for a second show in a row here, the match of the night was the opener. Um, what did you think, George? Loved it. Loved it. Lo- I love these early, um, not early, these, these WW cruiserweight matches, because as you said, it's a, yeah, they're jumping around and flipping around, but, they sold. They told a story with the moves. Like, yeah, we do have luchadors around now, but now it's all about the high spot and how many flips I can do before I hit, but nobody mm-hmm. sells after you've hit the move. Yeah. You know, you jump off the top rope, you flip twice and land on somebody on the outside, and they're up five seconds later, like nothing even happened. It's like, just give me give me a story involved with it. And that's why I really like watching these cruiserweight matches for from WCW because they they knew what they were doing. They knew how to keep you captivated throughout the entire match for 15 minutes. Two guys who, you know, they were thrown on the beginning of the card, like, all right, let's just get the crowd hot and give them two people to, to sell it off, which this was, I think, a rubber match because they both had one win apiece against each other mm-hmm. on, on pay-per-view going into this. Yeah, very much so. Uh, Dean, did you catch this match? Yes, I made sure to watch this match because um, I loved cruiserweight wrestling in WCW. Man, I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. And Ray and Ultimo Dragon was, uh, you know, Ray still one of my favorites. Yeah. Except for when he was the underdog. I hated that whole thing. Um, but great match. Great Isn't match. it wild that it's 2023? We're yeah. watching this match from 1997 and Ray Mysterio was a headliner at WrestleMania this year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. And in a really good feud with his son. I know. <laughs> Not even like, oh, he's feuding for the belt. He's feuding with a grown ass 
son of his. Yeah. yeah. Just just to remind everybody of how over Dominic Mysterio is, he was sent. He was going to be sent down to NXT um, for like development until this whole prison thing. And then all of a sudden he becomes he's become literally one of the hottest heels in the company yeah. in the company. Um, absolutely crazy. Um, so Lee Marshall was backstage and is still looking for a comment from Kevin Lee Nash. Marshall. Yes. Dead. Yep. Six answers the door again. But as he does, the Steiner brothers are, are trying to fight their way into the locker room. Uh, they are held back by security and a fight breaks up between them and WCW security. Uh, Scott Steiner gets maced at one point to neutralize him. Um, this is obviously to be continued. Next match here is Akira Hakudo with Sonny Ono uh, coming in as a champ versus Medusa. Um, so if you want to talk about a time before women's matches were featured, look no further than this one. Um, Hakudo won the title in December, I think, of 96. And you didn't see her again until um, like this pay-per-view. So um, also, it, you know, it has been, you know, Medusa against a foreign opponent for every women's match in WCW, basically. Um, I, you know, Medusa, you know, the match went, uh, Hakuda picks up the, uh, the win here after some interference. It went five minutes and 13 seconds. Pretty stiff match. Um, to be honest, watching this, um, I gave it one star. You know, I feel like with Medusa, I've seen the same match of hers a thousand times. And this one wasn't different. I, I give them credit for trying. Um, but this just fell flat. You know, Luna interfering at the end is building to her facing Medusa. Um, but knowing how, how the women are featured, it's kind of irrelevant, but I will say Medusa looked amazing. Um, oh, yeah. So she was just spectacular in 1997, George. So let me give you this real quick before we <clears throat> move on. There have only been two people to ever hold the WWE women's title. <laughs> and it's these two. No, yeah. oh. <laughs> it's Akira Hakuto and devil Masami. Now we're talking. The title lasted from <laughs> December 1996 <laughs> and it was deactivated in January 98. Deactivated. Was it, was it uh was it actually called the Ladies World Championship? It was called the Women's WW Women's title. Because uh because Tony Schiavone uh, uh referred to what's her face as the Ladies World Champion. <laughs> oh man. So how many times was it defended, now, George? Yeah. Twice? <laughs> I don't know how many times it was. De- I don't know how many times it was defended, but it's only ever had two, two, two holders, Akira like oh Kudo and Devil Masami. But, <laughs> but now here's where it gets really good. Um, Devil Masami did not beat Akira Hakudo to win this belt. Ah, it was, oh God. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. It was vacated in June because Akira Hakudo left the country. Ah, and it's about that, and it, and it stayed oh that way until it was won at a live event in Japan. After Masami defeated Zero to win the women the, the vacant women's championship, I assume that this ladies' title appeared maybe one more times on WCW television than the WWF women's championship, <laughs> which was dropped in a trash can by Medusa. Um, mm-hmm. So just women's women's evolution, the, the, baby. The the WWF women's title had more prominence on Nitro than the WWE women's title did. Yes, because <laughs> more people remember that title going in the trash than remember that WWE even exactly. had a exactly exactly. Um, all right, here we go. Next match is a du- for the WCW television title. Prince Ayakea coming in as a champion versus Lord Steven Regal. And look, I am always for anything involving William Regal or Steven <laughs> Regal. But this match was probably about seven minutes too long. Um, you know, I gave it one star. So I f- this match went 10 minutes, went exactly 10.01. And I feel like they completed like five moves. Um, it was like a lot of men, a, a lot of both men hitting a move, then a rest hold for Pete. Rest hold mm-hmm. punch, you know, Regal to me is such a great worker. And, you know, I didn't know much about Prince IAK. I just remember seeing him back then. Um, mm-hmm. I forgot, you know, how long he was around WCW. Um, 
but there isn't much else I can say about the match other than what I was hoping for was to just never see it again. Um, but I, I don't know. Um, George, what did you think, man? Cause I think all of us here are pretty big William Regal fans and his Absolutely. WCW work. I, I used to love watching uh, Steven Regal and WCW, but this one just, just missed the mark. As much as I love William Regal and sore Steven Regal, it just, I feel like Prince IK was giving him nothing to work with. Yeah, I agree. And I, agree. I don't mean any disrespect to Prince IK. I think he did his best work when he was the artist forming as Prince IK and he was yes. dressing like Prince. Um, <laughs> and then he even came out with the valet named Paisley. I thought that was just great. Yeah. But when it came to his entering work, he was just like he was basic as, at best. I agree. Like mm-hmm. nothing blew me away about Prince IK. He's wrestling in bare feet like everybody else from Tonga or, or like any other Samoan. Mm-hmm. Chris, you know you're six percent Samoan, so shoes Damn don't right really I am. exist in your house. That's right. They don't. I, uh, it, don't believe, I still don't believe that. Yeah, it's just I, 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 <laughs> it's so convenient. I, it's, <laughs> like, if Aquaman I, sucks, I'm no longer Simone. Scratch yeah, that. That's exactly what's gonna happen. Scratch that. Reverse it. <laughs> You're gonna be something else. You're gonna, <laughs> nice. You'll be like, oh man, I'm. Uh, oh, yeah. I can't think of anything. I'm Zan, called, McCord is Van Darren. I love Darren's yeah. the god. So. <laughs> of course you do. Of course. <laughs> Ask a variant. <laughs> <laughs> um. Mean Gene is in the aisle by the entrance, as he always usually was back then. Um, and of course, there's some quote unquote breaking news uh, that we can only hear by calling the WCW hotline. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's the number, Chris? Uh, 1-900-909-9900. God, I will never forget it. Um, uh, he then introduces the nature boy, Ric Flair, who is the first guest of this segment. Woo, Gene woo, says... Woo that Flair's return is around the corner and wants him to tell the fans about it. And then Flair just goes into Flair mode. Flair says that two things happen tonight, which are the horsemen will come out on top and Flair has clearance to get back in the ring by the next pay-per-view. Flair talks about the members of the horsemen and talks about Arn Anderson's upcoming surgery on his hand. Gene asked about Roddy Piper. Flair uh, says that he is the hot rod. <laughs> he he uh, Flair mentions that Kevin Green has cleared the wrestle for WCW once again. So <laughs> he and Green are going to team up at the next pay-per-view on May. Also dead. Yeah. Oh, God. Flair calls <laughs> out Hogan and tells him to bring the entire NWO because it's going to be a long night for all of them. And then Flair ends by saying that he wants Eric Bischoff more than anybody else. So at this time, um, for those who don't know, Kevin Green, former um, just phenomenal football player, uh, made a lot of appearances for WCW in this time period, and mm-hmm. he was damn good. I mean, he loved pro wrestling, so he really just like just poured himself into the product. Um, it's you know, it's noted by Flair that the Carolina Panthers, who he played for at the time, cleared him to appear at at the event. Um, the Horsemen and the NWO are the two big factions in the company at the time, so it makes sense to have them go at it. The only thing that doesn't make a lot of sense to me is that McMichael, who's in the Horseman, turned his back on Green when he joined the group. So there's already, you know, well, tension within the four Horsemen. Um, I mean, Mongo was a Chicago Bear, so yeah, that's true. Yeah, but yeah, Bears had yeah. such a great rivalry with the Carolina Panthers. Well, yeah, Bears they, and Panthers—they don't really get along with each other. I mean, that's <laughs> Kevin Green didn't play. He, Kevin Green didn't play for any teams that were rivals of the Bears: the Rams, <laughs> Steelers, Panthers, and 49ers. God, oh, um, this means Chris got run right out and get himself a Kevin Green 49ers jersey. No, <laughs> hey, actually, you know what's funny is Mongo played for the Bears and then went to the Packers for four games and retired. He said he did it just to get a check from them and then retire. Good for him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> next match is Public Enemy, which is Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge versus Jeff Jarrett and Steve Mongo McMichael. <laughs> or Mongo. Um, for those who watched Uncensored 1997, this was a match that was supposed to take place at that event, but it was switched to this show. Um, so now you got Jarrett uh, because Jarrett and McMichael caused Public Enemy the match at that pay-per-view. Uh, this match went 10 minutes and 42 seconds with Public Enemy getting the win. Another one-star match for me. I mean, it was a tag match. It was fun in the beginning, but this fell apart 
rapidly when they started brawling all over the freaking place. So can't imagine why. Is it because Jeff Jarrett isn't a brawler or because Public Enemy is awful at everything they do? Yes. Uh, probably both. <laughs> um, I mean, could you name anybody more out of place here than Jeff Jarrett? Yes. Yeah, like, yeah, public enemy. I I mean, yeah. <laughs> Um, put the nasty boys in that spot. <laughs> WCW used to like love to use those like split screen views because it seems like a lot of their matches use it. And I noticed that. And I even wrote down that note. Like most matches had like these split screen views. McMichael was still so green here and he was so sloppy. I can't believe he never killed anybody in the ring. Um, and, you know, I don't mean that like as a slight to him because I'm right, sure he right. was never at appropriately trained um, yeah. to be a, a you know, a, a, any kind of catch as catch can style wrestler. I think they just assume that he had such athleticism and he was a football player. Just go in there and we'll you'll learn on the job, brother. They're like, hey, um, Lawrence Taylor didn't have any problems. You shouldn't either. And <laughs> that's right. All right. So here we go. Uh, the the part of this, this probably the, uh, is this pay per view most known for this or the main oh. event? It's one of the two. Oh oh, it's known it's known for this. Yeah, Gene it's is, known for this. It's everywhere, man. Gene Oakland is backstage, and he is using the break. He has breaking news again for the hotline. So kids, it's only two bucks a minute. So the second you even get an answer, you've probably already out about twenty five dollars. Um, so Harlem Heat comes in, and they are ready for their four corners match tonight. Jean asked Sherry if she will be directing traffic. Sherry says they have a game plan and that they will execute it and they will divide and conquer. He asked Booker about the match tonight. Booker says, I'm not going to say it. Um, Booker said, according to the picture, Dean's supposed to say it. I know. Booker says, uh, Gene has been talking about clicks all night. And the only way, the only one they need to know about is Harlem Heat. He says they are dealing uh, that um, what they are dealing with tonight is the brotherhood and they will take care of Luger and the giant and that they are coming for the gold Booker T then says one of the most infamous promo lines in the history of entertainment television. When he um, tells Hogan, he's coming for him followed by a racial slur. Sucker. Uh, sucka. Yeah. <laughs> according, that's according the, that's the edited version in WWE <laughs> network. <laughs> Stevie Ray chimes in and says that his brother isn't lying. So he follows up by a racial slur. <laughs> I said he calls him a ninja. Oh, a ninja. Because <laughs> um, uh, Hulk, Hulk Hogan was uh, in the uh, graveyard with a sword one time, remember? Oh, my God. <laughs> There's no Hulkamaniacs here. <laughs> Sherry reassures Gene that they will go through who they have to and come out on top. I, I bet they did, Sherry. Um so this is one of the most famous promos or botches in the history of wrestling. You know, you can tell when Booker says it, he regrets it yeah. immediately. Yeah, like, <laughs> but, Sherry looks like, at it. But then right after he does it, he gets right back into character again. Oh, yeah. It was great work by him after having a colossal mishap there. Sherry's like, I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> yeah, Sherry's looking at him trying to play it off. And, you know, the rest of the promo was full of intensity. So kudos to Stevie Ray for chiming in um, and, and you know, trying to direct it back to where it's supposed to be. Um, and, you know, just I, watching it again on TV, I'm like, oh, dear God, I can't believe this was it. <laughs> Stevie, Steve, Steve Ray should have further emphasized it and threw in a hard R just for good measure. <laughs> So I know he thought of Hogan. Maybe it's sure, like Hogan thought he could say it was because he was called it in a promo once. I'm sure 10 oh, years yeah. later, I'm sure 10 years later, Booker wanted to. Here's the say thing, though, but that's not even the worst part of this promo is afterwards, like Sherry's talking about how they're going to summon to God. We're going to party. We're going to pull up our skirts and we're going to dance. It's like, oh what God, are yeah. you doing, yeah. Sherry? This was a. Uh, <laughs> this was an attitude era promo before the attitude era. It's like, dear Lord, <laughs> Sherry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what Dean shocked at, but he's looking at something. Um, I have AEW on my phone. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Your phone now has <laughs> I just literally. Oh my god! I can't believe they did that. Well, let uh, text it in the in the group. I, 
I, I'll just I'll tell you guys when we get off of here. Okay. <laughs> Next I'm match. just like I, that's how floored I am that it completely stopped my all my concentration. Like good or bad? Bad. Oh yes, I'm excited. <laughs> um, <laughs> next match is a WCW United States title. Dean Malenko coming in as a champion versus Chris Benoit. Um, this match goes 17 minutes and 50 seconds. The winner and still uh, U.S. champ is Dean Malenko. And this kills me to say this. Oh, that's a bad pun. This it oh, hurts geez, me. Chris. Oh, hey, bud. <laughs> I didn't mean that. It hurts me to say this. It. This was not the best match I have seen these two have. It was good, but certainly nothing above that. It had a lot of rest holds and high-impact offense. But other than that, there's really not much else. Like, both men would go on, you know, to be mainstays in the companies for a few more years. So they they would have had more opportunities to have just incredible matches. I thought the ending was an overbooked mess. Um but these two kind of overcame it the best that they could. I just was so excited when I saw this match on the card. And then when I watched it, I was like, man, I've seen these two guys tear the house down before. And this just wasn't it. George, what did you think? Am I wrong? I mean, I did. I It, it, it wasn't the best match that they had, but I'm always going to be, and I'm always going to be focused when these two guys are in a ring, whether right. they're facing each other or whether they're facing anybody else, because you knew you were getting, solid wrestling and yeah this wasn't the best match they had Mm -hmm. especially when good lord what the hell happened at the end of this match turned into just chaos no yep just overbooked madness kevin Sullivan hit a shot on benoit where i was like oh that's the one yo kevin sullivan i don't think that that was a gimmick to uh (laughs) yeah because he was probably pissed off about something else dude when I watched that, Kevin Sullivan got up on that apron. He took a second to wind that sucker up, and he, he was, wailed Benoit on the back of the head. He was up there for a while too. I'm like, Benoit's gonna turn around and hit him, and then he's just like, no, he's just choking up and chalked up his hands so he didn't lose his grip. Man, that was it was aggressive. Um, I was gonna say that's a shoot, but that would have been also bad to say. Um, Gee, well, well, sure as hell wasn't a choke. That's funny. Uh, Next match, (laughs) WCW tag title. Uh, Kevin Nash is the champion, I guess. He's part of the the tag team champions. Um, Coming out with um, Six and Ted DiBiase um, versus Rick Steiner. This is a one-on-one match for the tag titles. Scott was taken out earlier. Remember, I told everyone he was maced in the face um, by that ridiculously strong WCW security. which left Rick Steiner to try and capture titles on his own. Also, um, like a lot of times in 1997, 1998 or so, Scott Hall was MIA right around here, Um, which leads us to a singles match for the tag team championship. Um, Also, the best part of my night is right here. Um, I believe this is when we see, uh, is this Nick Patrick? Without sleeves, <laughs> sleeveless Nick Patrick, sleeveless Nick Patrick oh, yeah, comes down to the ring, um, which means he will be the referee of the match. And at the end of the night, Patrick must pose, brother. Um, I'm just kidding; he didn't pose at the end of the night, but I'm sure that's what I wanted to see. Well, he did pose after after he uh, came down to count for the DDP match. <laughs> that's true. And yeah, he, he like he like pointed at the hard camera. It was like, <laughs> bring the damn bell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nick Patrick. Um, all right. So after 10 minutes and 20 seconds, Kevin Nash gets the win. I, again, another one star match to me, the story behind this match is a little bit more interesting than the actual in-ring action itself. Um, obviously DiBiase and Patrick telling Nash to cool it didn't set well with him. And both men went to the back looking disgusted. This was a standard match with a lot of power moves and two jackknife power bombs. Steiner didn't put up much of a fight. In, you know, aside from a, a little bit of an offense he had briefly, the story was that he was injured previously and couldn't hang with Nash in the match. I, I don't know, man. This was just so boring to watch. Um, and I, I'm going to be, I'm going to admit this. Anything outside of WWF, Kevin Nash to me just looked like a big, tall, lazy waste of money. Um, 
in any match that he performed in. I just felt like he was one of those guys that honestly just showed up to collect that massive check from WCW and just kind of mailed it in. Do you, am I wrong? Do you guys get that same sense with WCW Nash? I was actually just about to say that too. Um, I listen, I love Kevin Nash. He is one of my all time favorites Mm -hmm. and he had some good matches. Well, for what a seven foot guy with five moves that doom could do, you know, (laughs) in WCW. But I do feel like that the bulk of this like NWO run with him was just, he, you could just tell it was just like, no, bro, I'm here for the money. I got create, you know, I'm booking creative, all this stuff. I'm going out there hitting five moves and I'm, I'm winning in a minute and a half. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I think Nash, you know, I, I think Nash is better. I'm obviously the early NWO stuff was just incredible. Of course, yeah. you know, not match wise, but just the angle, you know, mm-hmm. but like Wolfpack Nash was, was, wasn't too bad. Um, that was probably, I guess the highlight of him. I agree with you. Know, you. Mat, match wise, you know yeah. what I mean? But like, I, I was just thinking that too, like, man, like, NWO Nash was just like like his matches. Not again. Not that Kevin Nash was a world beater in the ring, and he'll be the first to admit to that. Um, but NWO like this era, you know, that first you know year of Nash was just like you could tell he was just like, yeah, where's yeah. my paycheck? You know? Exactly. Uh, do you He's agree? He paid so damn much money for sure. Um, what do you uh, think of WCW Nash in your opinion, uh, George? I, mean, I thought he was entertaining. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was always, sure. you know, I mean, and anytime he was on the screen with a microphone in his hand, I was, I was paying attention. Mm-hmm. Um, like, but there were some things where it's just like he, he he's clearly phoning it in, mm-hmm. and and this this match was just was part of it. It was just like I I I didn't even I couldn't even give this a rating. Like this is a, as soon as like they said like Scott Steiner was you know, was hauled away, even though when you go back a little bit, he didn't do anything yet. He was the one that got arrested, but what, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> wrestling in the nineties. Um, right. But like, as soon as we like, oh, it's going to be Kevin Nash versus Rick Steiner. I was like, well, this automatically isn't getting anything higher than two stars. Mm-hmm. I, I the, agree. Whole, the whole match itself was a dud. It I was, agree. It was pointless. This could have just been a backstage beatdown, and then, oh, the match doesn't happen. No, I agree. Um, and I use the and I use the term match very loose. <laughs> um, yeah, and I'm with you on that. Um, all right, here we go. Um, I think this is George's favorite part of the night. Mean Gene is backstage with Lex Luger and the Giant, uh, who will be battling for a shot at WCW Heavyweight Title. Uh, Gene says they have a monitor in the back, and all three of them saw what just happened with the NWO. Gene asked the Giant about Harlem Heat and says that he knows um, this is the doing of Hogan putting brother against brother, brother, and friends against friends. The Giant says he travels the world with Lex Luger, and I don't think WCW traveled outside of the United States at that time, um, and knows if he is beat tonight, then Luger deserves a shot at the title and vice versa. He says that you have four athletes that are going to leave it all in the ring tonight. Gene says... They all know what that title means, and Luger comes in saying that he knows what is on the line tonight and that the NWO makes him sick to his stomach. You guys are all, like, confused yet? Luger says that the Hogan is the emblem for the NWO and it won't be distracted by it. Luger says they are there to put some prestige back to the name of WCW, and he says all four men have one goal, bring the title back to WCW. Boy, did I have some problems with this promo. Go ahead. <laughs> first things first, shame on Mean Gene for even considering putting that microphone in front of Big Show's face. Oh, I know. Big Show, Giant, Paul White, whatever the hell you want to call him. Because he, he, he even starts off, he goes, Giant, I know you have some thoughts on this particular match. Then he starts off the promo. I have some thoughts on this match. It's like, what the fuck? Like, all right, here we go. Then he goes, if Luger beats me for the, if Luger beats me, then he deserves a title shot. If I beat Luger, then I deserve the title shot. If Harlem Heat beats us, then they deserve the title shot. It's like, good lord, this is the most painful fucking thing I've had to watch mm-hmm. during this paper. He's just so bad, so bad on the mic. And Luger's not much better. I know. Like, good know. lord, have Piper as their manager. Anybody. Put, put somebody there who knows how to speak in front of people. <laughs> I know. Um, 
four corner number one contenders match giant Lex Luger versus Booker T and Stevie Ray. Um, man, this one went on for 18 minutes. It um, felt like 48 minutes. It really did. Um, <laughs> two stars I gave this. Lex Luger got the win. The match was, I guess, like fine, but that's it. All four men got ample time. I mean, you got 18 minutes with these four dudes. Something's got, I mean, someone's got to get some good offense in. Um, although, you know, everyone knew that Harlem Heat wasn't going to win the match. We all knew that. The most surprising thing during the match was a giant letting Luger um, put Stevie Ray to torture rack to pick up the win after he could have beat him alone. Stupid, stupid, just, stupid, fucking stupid everything. Yeah, just go ahead. Go off on this because I know you want to talk about it's it. Just, I, of the multitude of questions I have involving this whole match, if this is a four corners match, why did they come out as tag teams? I know why did they come out. I mean, I understand Harlem Heat coming out together. Yes, they're a legit tag team. Luger and Giant, who are apparently friends, and even in the promo, he's like, the one thing Hogan didn't count on is that Lex and I really are friends. It's like, oh, what the fuck is this? But they come out as a tag team, and it's a four corners match, but it looks like a tag team match. They're Mm -hmm. standing in corners, they're tagging in and out. And then all of a sudden, randomly, they switch the damn corners they're standing in. So is every guy supposed to have their own specific corner that they have to go in? But that doesn't make any sense either because I know because it kept switching corners. I know it's absolutely crazy. And then giant tagging and Luger's like, yeah, you get the pin. I'm like, this is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life. You know why? Next time, instead of doing a four corners match, just say, hey, we're going to have Lex Luger be the number one contender. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know why it was dumb, George? Tell me. Because the fucking big show was in it. Yeah. I was probably seeing him start crying in the middle of the match or at the very least turn heel on Lex Luger and then turn face against Harlem Heat. Hey, George, just remember, no more BS. Yeah, apparently, (laughs) apparently they met no more Big Show on TV because he had one match and was never seen again. Yeah. 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 Amazing. He's so he's such a valuable asset in the words of Tony Khan. Yeah. I guess it's good. he could teach people how to fucking steal money from Vince McMahon for 20 years and be a seven foot two jobber. Oh, awful. They have a commercial for WCW. Um, uh, for WCW Slamboree 1997, which surprise will be the next show. Um, the next WCW show, I think we're going to be covering um, when we do uh, their, their pay-per-views. I think so. I think it's Slamboree. 97. Um, I could be wrong. I have to check my own notes. Let me see. Nope. Yeah. Slamboree 97 will be in May. So yeah, I was correct. Um, Savage is shown walking down to the ring with uh, Miss Elizabeth. He is talking to himself as always and says, um, uh, and says that it'll be free slim gyms for everyone tonight. <laughs> um, Gene is backstage um, with his opponent. By the way, did you guys know that WCW did not pay? Um, macho man Randy Savage's salary. He came over to WCW. Slim Jim paid his whole salary. That's pretty cool. Wow. So they they were able to save all that money on not having to pay Macho Man because of his uh he brought over a sponsorship. It's um, funny because they didn't have to pay Macho Man at all, but yet they still would have had business because they couldn't afford to pay anybody else. I know, I know. <laughs> Incredible. So you're not paying one of your top talents at a cent. <laughs> um he also said he also asked Elizabeth, hey, there's gonna be 14 to 22 women coming to the party. Are you okay with that? And she's like, Hey, he's like, Oh, she's okay with it. It's like, what the hell is even happening right now? <laughs> <laughs> um let's see, D- uh Gene is backstage with uh his uh Savage's opponent DDP here. Gene says that Paige is WCW on his shoulders tonight. Paige says that sometimes you have to defend what is right. He says tonight Savage came into his territory and he will take care of him tonight. Gene turns to Kimberly and she mm-hmm. says that tonight is an important match. She says that Paige has been stewing about this match for a while now and that she likes to keep him in a positive state of mind. Yeah, I bet. Um, but tonight is a little bit different. It's time for the main event. Um, and this is the match that, for lack of a better term, makes Diamond Dallas Page. Uh, the biggest match of his career up to this point. 
Uh, no DQ match, Macho Man, Randy Savage versus Diamond Dallas Page. Um, DDP, man, gets the win at 15 minutes and 40 seconds. I gave this uh, four stars. Um, this mm-hmm. was a, a real solid main event, I thought, with Savage acting like an absolute madman, which was great. I mean, this was Savage in all of his glory. Um, he hit announcers and even hit the referee with a pile driver. Um, After slapping the taste out of his mouth. Yeah, he yeah. did. Um, Page fought, you know, fought tough throughout and was on the defensive for most of this, but still pulled it together uh, enough to pick up the win. You know, Patrick counting Savage down was a real turning point for the NWO. Um, and he paid for it, you know, when, when Nash hit him with the jackknife. But, you know, Paige picking up the win here was just huge. And actually, you know, he has said in some interviews afterwards that Savage was the one that told him he was going to he was going to put him over and wanted to take the diamond cutter. And mm-hmm. that really sent diamond Dallas page into that main event talk and that scene of main eventers in WCW. And, uh, man, that crowd went bonkers with that diamond cutter. Um, your guys thoughts on, on this main event. Great, great match. It's mm-hmm. always been one of my favorite WCW matches. Um, it's, uh, it's crazy. You know, he, uh, Savage wanted to put DDP over because I think Savage ultimately knew his place in the business at this point. And mm-hmm. I always felt like a lot of his WSW run was probably what he wanted to do in WWF. Yeah. And Vince, for some reason, just didn't want to let him put guys like Shawn Michaels and all that stuff over. Like, yeah, he, you know, so because, you know, it's on record that Randy wanted to do a program with Shawn and, and put Shawn over. And yeah. Vince was like, no, I don't think so, pal. You're better. On the, you're better at the desk. <laughs> uh <laughs> George, yeah, I mean, I as you said, you know, it, it, it's a four star match thrown through. I would have, I would have given it a five. Uh, did have a couple. I mean, there was a couple of things that kind of stood out during the match, but not so much as what happened kind of after the match. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like that the low blow that that um, that Savage gave Page must have been the most devastating low blow in history because Page stayed down for like six minutes. I yeah, know that was like the end of him. And still, and Savage still enough time to like beat the shit out of the referee, pile drive him, climb to the top rope, and still hit the elbow. Mm-hmm. I was like, "What the hell, really?" And then, yeah. and then even when and when Page hit the diamond cutter, it was still like a good almost a full minute before Page actually rolled him over to pin him. Like I was, yep. expect, I, like, I was almost expecting a kick because it took so long. But then I remembered this wrestling in the nineties, and that didn't happen. <laughs> and I, I texted you, Chris. I said. I had I had some problems with this, and my issue was the fact that Page won the match, but you could have ended this pay per view with Page getting a huge moment in the ring, yeah, and you know celebrating a big hard fought win, you know, giving the crowd something to eat up right before you know right before everyone had to leave and go home. You you send the crowd home happy, but then like the NWO comes out and then you get all yeah. this and, and that's all this bullshit, you know, Nick Patrick, it, it takes a jackknife from, 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 from Nash, mm-hmm. you know, Macho Man wants to slap the fucking taste out of Kimberly's mouth and yep. Bischoff stops him. Then he shoves Bischoff. And then we spend like another two minutes at the announcer booth watching Heenan, Shivani and Dusty talk about, end of the pay-per-view just it's weird like, man like what? they wcw it's, could it, not book it's finishes al- it's almost like if hogan didn't end the pay-per-view then they just had no idea what to do mm-hmm. as you always say hogan must pose yeah man and if NWO you hogan must to pose, pose. And they're like well, all right well what do we do all right we'll cut the announcers and they'll talk about the, and they'll just talk about what just happened so like, yeah. they, they they talked about the inner turmoil in the nwo but not about what a huge win it was for Diamond Dallas Page. Mm-hmm. And I feel like even though Page won the match, he still got buried. Uh, not in the term of like being buried, but you, it, it's almost an afterthought with all the yeah. bullshit happening around with the NWO. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, after the match, Nash grabs Patrick as the rest of the NWO uh, comes down to the ring. Bischoff looks on and discusses as Nash is trying to get Savage. Uh, to come to Bischoff points at Patrick as Nash continues to have his hand on his shirt. 
He kicks Patrick, hits him with a jackknife powerbomb. The NWO gets in the ring to start working down and beating up on Paige. But Savage grabs Kimberly first and goes to slap her um, before being stopped by Bischoff. The fans are going nuts here. They're chanting for Sting um, as Savage continues to grab her by the hair. Um, He shoves Bischoff to the mat and slaps him in the face as the rest of the NWO chases Savage away. And then for some reason, WCW decides let's be the last thing that we see are the announcers. Um, They just they talk about the NWO being on the verge of implosion before signing off for the evening. Like you could have had Paige get back in the ring and stop Macho from from slapping from from slapping Kimberly. Yeah, but I agree. you didn't. No, because no. It, it ego boost from for and I for for, for from Bischoff. You know, NWO's got to be the last the last thing you say. And then the next night on Nitro, because I told you I was watching the Nitro after this. Yeah, Savage is in a cast on crutches. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they 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 think you forget very quickly. Um, overall, out of a ten, um, George, what do you give it out of a ten? Six, and that's generous. Mm. Dean, six. Uh, yeah, that's about yeah. right. Yeah, I, I gave it a hard six. Um, this show. You know, much like I thought, like a lot of matches that were on it were good, but there was nothing great except for that opener. Um, and it, and it, it's crazy because that opener really got you go, like off on a really great foot there and just nothing. But, uh, you know, conspicuous, you know, by his absence on this show um, was Sting, who made his mm-hmm. impact felt the month prior to end uncensored. You know, we're in the middle of, you know, this, you know, this slow build of Sting's character um, on, you know, embarking on one of the best years in wrestling history here with him being one of the lead parts of it. Um, And he's not here. I know either way, uh, the show was average, I thought. So I gave it like a really just, you know, I can't go any higher than a six. But, you know, on a second viewing of this, I might go lower than that. But yeah, I'm I'm gonna stick with a six. And if we would have saw a sting appearance at the end here, that probably would have elevated the score a little bit. Um, because the crowd wanted Sting so bad. Um, but they just didn't get him here. But you know, look, I can't fault WCW, man. You saw him at uncensored. That doesn't mean you're gonna get him every single time we're out here, which is great booking in my opinion. Mm. Um, and it worked for the whole year. Um, but yeah, that's it. Um next week. We're going to be covering Backlash 2004, which uh, happened uh, April 18th, 2004 in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Um, The main event of that show was a rematch from the main event of WrestleMania 20 that saw Chris Benoit uh, become the world heavyweight champion, beating uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels in what I still believe today is the greatest triple threat match of all time. Um, Looking forward to getting to WrestleMania 20 this year. I flubbed this year and didn't cover it. So um, excited to do it. No, I mean, we'll do it next year on its 20th anniversary. So that's cool. Um, yeah. So, yeah, next week is Backlash 04. I'm very much looking forward to covering that. Um, just crazy. If you if anyone wants to go look at the pay-per-view statistics of 2004 for WWF, um, the Royal Rumble had 500,000 buys. No Way Out had 265. WrestleMania 20 had one point almost 1.1 million buys on pay-per-view backlash had 295,000 buys. So 2004, although my favorite year in wrestling is 2004. This was a boy. This was a, they were out of the attitude era here and they were getting, they were, man, they were smack dab in a transitional period because you're getting in to the John Cena era. Um, and we're not there yet, but we're getting there. Um, WrestleMania 20 was like putting Cena on that platform and starting to hit the up button, getting him up to that tippy top because WrestleMania 21, I believe is when um, Cena reached that mountaintop of being the undisputed champion. So, so we're a lot to get into a lot to unpack next week, looking forward. And like I said, we have so much to come so many different things, a format of this, of uh, this podcast is changing. We're going to be covering a bunch of stuff. 
Um, I am going to start incorporating more current talk, maybe at the top of every episode. We kind of talk about what's going on currently. We can talk ratings. We can talk about certain storylines, maybe point out one thing that is going well and point out the biggest thing that's maybe pissing us off. Um, Is this just WWE? It could be anything. (laughs) It could be anything. I only I mean, I only watch one brand, so it's good that you watch something else because then you can bring... (laughs) <laughs> watch AW. Watch is a pretty strong term. Yeah, it is. It's a loose I, term. I, there. I watch about as much AW as I watch WWE, and that's virtually zero. <laughs> so I, I mean I follow both companies off TV. I just yeah. can't really sit through wrestling TV anymore. You know, understood. I think that's kind of the issue. So I mean, I just for some reason wanted to put dynamite on my phone like I used to do when we record usually. You should play the it. actual stick of dynamite on your phone and let it. <laughs> well, well, yeah. all right. At oh, the hot tag goodness. podcast on Instagram. And we will be right back here next week. Super excited to uh, get at this. You guys are going to be um, hearing some really good stuff over the next few months and beyond. Uh, so I'm Christy Francesco. That's George and Dean. And we'll catch you guys down the road. Have a great one. Bye-bye.